Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's almost June, and that must mean it's time to talk baseball again. Or is it? We don't know, because the players and the owners can't get on the same page. Welcome in to Crossed Up, a Phillies podcast. I'm Anthony Sanfilippo, joined as always by Bob Wankel uh, from Crossing Broad. And uh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to figure out what the hell is going on between the owners and the players, and if... We will eventually see baseball this summer. Bob, I know you, you wrote about it, and, 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 you're, and you have a, a take on this that I think is a pretty accurate one, but let's, I want to dive into it. I mean, you, you know, it's, only one, it's one thing to put you know, 750 words up on a blog that people are going to read, and then it gets bun, you know, sandwiched punched down. in between Mike Missanelli's stories. Yeah, <laughs> Mike Missanelli Radio Wars stories, yeah. so he kind of gets, gets lost in the shuffle. But I think it's worth you know diving into here. Not that there's much to talk about from a Phillies perspective per se, but oh, should have turned off my phone. Um, but uh, it, it's at least worth diving into you know from a you know a baseball fan perspective. And I think that you you have a pretty good read on this. And so I'll, I'm going to throw it to you, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah, welcome to Crossed Up, a labor relations podcast. Um, <laughs> So, you know, like we were saying to each other before we started recording, like what we want to do is we want to talk about baseball. We want to talk about the Phillies. We want to talk about what the roster looks like and how this division is going to play out and what the season is going to look like. And it would be great to have a tangible plan in front of us, something that we could really look at and say, like, okay, what's going to happen here? But we don't have that yet. And what we do have is posturing between the owners and the MLBPA and my take on this and this is what I wrote on Crossing Broad uh, earlier this afternoon it's basically that I just can't bring myself to get overly concerned about what we're seeing you have Jeff Passan coming out Ken Rosenthal all the heavy hitters talking about how the players are completely underwhelmed with this offer this latest offer from the owners which is essentially a scaled uh, reduction in salary the guys that make the least will be affected the least and then your bigger salary guys Mike Trouts, Bryce Harper's your your guys that are making over 20 million they're going to be reduced down to that 6 7 million dollar range and so you don't want the you don't want the the split okay that's fine so baseball comes back with this plan and says look Obviously, we're taking a hit. You're going to need to take a little bit more of an additional hit as well. Players Association doesn't like it, and and that's kind of to be expected. And what I expect, and, and I have not yet talked to you about this, so I'm kind of curious to get your thoughts, but what I expect to have happen here is that these two sides will go back and forth, and in the next, I don't know, six to ten days, it's going to get figured out. I, I think that the owners will step up a little bit more with their offer, but eventually the players are going to have to back off this idea of we want a, a purely prorated salary that we agreed to in March. Things have changed, and the public will give sympathy to the players more often than not. 
But if they don't budge off of that stance, they're going to lose that support from the public. And at the end of the day, they have to play. They have to have a season, and I remain ultra-confident that there will be a season. Yeah, I think that there's going to be a season. Um, I, I think it's going to happen just as it's been mapped out, starting sometime in July. I mean, I think that... One of the things that, you know, could be negotiated is, like you know, I, you keep hearing that the players want to say, well, what if we play a few more games than you had, you know, recommended? They You know, right now it's, what, an 82-game season, and the, the players are trying to get it pushed up by, up closer, closer to 100, if not exactly 100. Um, so I think that there's some wiggle room to go both ways on negotiations uh, with this. But you're right, and it's it's going to come down to the the – players are going to have to give in a little bit they can't just they can't die on that hill that they want the um you know the the prorated salaries that were agreed upon in march they just can't what's and, interesting about the the proposal and the thing that really jumped out at me is that you're sort of in a way and i think the owners did this for a reason and i think you will touch on this eventually they are in in essence and i don't want to over overstate this but in essence they are Pitting the younger players oh, yeah. against the older veterans. And, and and it's not all just about experience, but you know, the top earners versus the guys that are making, you know, five, six hundred thousand yeah. dollars a year. And it, it's going to be that that dynamic. I wonder if the players association comes back and says, We we have to get off of this. We can't do this based on on total salary because they know it could be a divisive track for the union. Yeah. So, so Russ and I actually talked about this on Snow the Goalie when we were talking a little bit about you know, the NHL coming back. And I, I gave the same thing to him that I'm going to say to you right now. What the, what the owners did here is a very old tactic that companies have been doing with unions for many, many years. And that is, let's try and split the union. <laughs> Because, I mean, really, I mean, that's, that's the goal. The goal is to try and make something appealing To a, to a portion of the union that would sit there and say, well, yeah, that's great. That works for me, you know, because everybody ultimately is out for their own, look, you know, looking out for their own benefit. They're not, as much as you'd like to think that a union is, you know, rah, rah, all together, one for all, all for one, it's not necessarily that, that way. And so basically the idea is to try and split the union. And, and, and it's going to cause some internal turmoil. And you're going to, you know, you're not going to hear, you know, you're not going to hear, the numbers on the votes like Tony Clark's not going to put the numbers out and say well this is what we've how we voted for this because it's probably going to be a little bit closer to 50% that they would than they would like you to believe um nevertheless it, it it's got to get to a point here where both sides got to come even closer and and the owners knew and, and I'll let me say this up front this is a very shrewd thing that the owners did they knew in march when they came to the agreement that they would do a prorated salary, they knew then that it was not going to be, that that was not going to be the final deal between the two sides. They had to. They had to know. They had to get the, they had to get the players to a point. And then think about what they've done since, Bob. They basically try to implement, I mean, not a salary cap, but something that would lead to a salary cap with revenue sharing. And now they're like, okay, all right, we'll pull that off the table. But now all of you, all of the big money players aren't going to make what we promised them. And those are the players that drive the, the interest in the sport. It, you know, it doesn't make a difference 
if you know Ranger Suarez is is getting you know eighty five percent of his salary, but Bryce Harper is only going to get seven million out of out of his money, right? I mean that's yeah, the and, big thing because the, the fans of, don't give a shit about no, Jose Alvarez. Not. But just to kind of spell this out in, in more detail for people that aren't that familiar with it, I mean, why would you have a fraction? Uh, why, how could you kind of divide the union by doing this? And the idea is is that the younger guys or or the more inexperienced guys are that are hanging on by a thread. Maybe there's guys that are up there, they're the 24th, 25th guys on the roster, or there are young players that are about to kind of show up on the scene and they, they think they're poised for a breakout year. Like, they need to play this season. And, and on the other end of the spectrum, you have older veterans, guys that are, are getting towards the end of the careers. They know that time is limited. They want to get out there this year, you know? And that's that's kind of the issue here you have it's it's not necessarily youth versus experience it's going to be also along the lines of just you're looking at i think roughly 70 percent of the league basically saying we have everything to gain by being out here from a professional standpoint this year whereas the other percentage of the league maybe like let's say 25 to 35 percent of the league is saying well wait a minute it, it almost financially doesn't even make sense for us to put ourselves at risk at this point so that's where that that fracture can kind of come from yeah but i here's here's the thing ultimately the the owners are are certainly playing this playing this publicly you know they're trying to split the they're trying to split the union get the get the, get the young players who don't you know these are athletes these aren't like these aren't guys who are sitting there you know negotiating their own contracts right i mean these are these are athletes who pay people to do that for them so they're not really the all the most savvy player you know some of them are don't get me wrong i mean there are athletes who are really well tuned with the business of of their money and everything else but there are others who just they have no idea they just like yeah whatever uh whatever the agent says is going to work but the, but the, so the owners play are playing off that but everything else that they're doing is is purely purely a press uh you know trying to get good press and the player's position i think is simple they want to play and they want to do so as long as safety can be guaranteed and, you know, that there is some semblance of a fair salary being paid. Okay? That's what the players want. And now another thing to keep in mind is, over the long history of baseball, having a union it has been uh, – having a good union, a strong union, and it, and it is probably the best union of all the made four major sports. Okay? Having a strong union brought free agency. It brought international players – um, it has a lot. It's had a lot of energy over the years, and yeah, the owners complain, but everybody involved makes a lot of money because of the union being so strong. The owners have made a lot of money. The players have made a lot of money. So it, you know the union's going to push back here, and they're going to, and rightfully so, they're going to push back. But at some point, they're going to have to give in a little bit, and I think that they will. My biggest concern, Bob, is. That this leaves such a bad taste in mouths that when this CBA expires at the end of the 2021 season, that we are looking at the potential for a delayed 2022, if not a canceled 2022. All right. Well, there's, I guess, a few different things to unpack there. The, the first thing that I would look at, though, and, and, and it's funny, and, and before we get to what the ramifications are in 2022... I think it's interesting to see how 
fans and how the general public kind of responded to this initial, I would call it a wave of bad news yesterday. Like, I feel like that there's a group of people out there that expect Rob Manfred and Tony Clark to come out and be blowing each other butterfly kisses. Like, oh, you know, everything is great. This is beautiful. Like, <laughs> we're going to get back for the USA because that's what we need and they need baseball and here we go. And, like, I just think that's unrealistic. And I think as as I've gotten older, I've become a little bit more desensitized to the inner workings of the business end of sports. And so when I look at it, like, yes, it would be great to see this – united front and they say you know we're going to put our differences aside and we're all going to take it you know where we don't want to take it and we're going to get back to playing well it's not going to happen that way and so that's why I don't worry about I don't worry about that yesterday. I don't worry that the, the the players' association is offended or that they are insulted by the initial proposal. Like they are going to, in the short term, get to a place, and maybe this ends up, like I said in the column that I wrote, maybe this ends up on freezing cold takes. Like maybe I am just misreading this situation uh, so badly. But I, if you you, I mean, you think that there's going to be a lingering uh, effect to this that I in do. 2022 they may not be able to get on the same page. What do you think is going to be at the heart of of that strife? I mean, do you believe that it's it's just going to be bad blood? Like, yeah, listen, you know what? You, you shook us for a couple extra dollars that we really didn't want to be taken for at that time, and now we're going to get it back? Is it the years and years of mistrust between the Players Association and ownership? Like, Where, where do you see this heading, and why do you think it's going to be such a, a possibly... Uh, you know, an atomic situation a year and a half from now. Yeah, so I think I think first and foremost that um, you, you have to look at the fact that the the, the PA and the commissioner uh, have not gotten along in the last several years. There have been a lot of, you know, debates about, you know, Manfred wanting to make changes to the game that the players didn't support. Uh, and then ultimately it got, you know, oh, it got tabled or put on the back burner or revised or whatever the case might be. But there has been a lot of negativity from the players uh, toward Rob Manford since he's become commissioner of baseball. This is really his first go-round with the union on a – this is going to be his first go-round with the union on a CBA, on a, on a real CBA. I mean, yes, he's been involved, of course, in the past. But this is the first time that he's going to be the, the number one guy making these, uh, you know, representing the owners. And when you sit there and you tell the players, you know, in March that this it's going to be X, and then in May move the goalposts on them, they're going to remember that. They're going to remember that you try to that you try to play a little dirty pool. Uh, which is which look, dirty pool happens in in contract negotiations at all levels in all walks of life, not just professional sports. So this is not un, an uncommon thing. But they're going to remember that. And so rather than sit there and say, hey, let's give the new guy the benefit of the doubt, they're going to sit there and say, no, we're, you know, we're, not going to, we're not going to work with this guy. He's already tried to screw with our game. He's tried to screw with us in the past. We don't trust him a little bit. And now he's going to come to the table and, and, and negotiate our, our new collective bargaining well, You agreement. know, it's interesting it's about Rob last... Manfred. Like, his whole background is in labor relations. Like, oh, that's, of course. That's his whole thing. That's the yeah. reason he is the commissioner of baseball. Yeah, but that uh, doesn't necessarily mean that he... doesn't mean it's going to translate into goodwill right. and, you know, a, a trust that is required in this situation, especially in light of what you talked about in recent seasons. But in theory, this is... This is his strength and keeping wow. labor peace and something that they've been able to do for nearly a quarter of a century here, which is 
borderline unprecedented. Not that that's all Rob Manfred that's that's done that, but I mean he's been integral in some of yeah. the progress that the union and ownership has made in in recent years, though. So I'm gonna make I'm gonna make another hockey comparison for you. So when they when Gary Bettman got installed as the commissioner of the NHL back in the 90s, he came from the NBA. He was a basketball guy. He was not a hockey guy at all. Okay, um, so he, but he was put in. Uh, place as, as the commissioner of the NHL because the owners wanted more cost certainty. And he was a very good labor negotiator. He's an excellent lawyer. And they looked at it and said, here's the guy that's going to bring us what we need and what we want. And this guy has done that in the NHL. Okay. But what has happened in his tenure? There have been three lockouts, one that costs an entire season, two that costs half a season in the span of what, 25 years? Mm-hmm. So three times in 25 years, there has been a cancellation of games because of labor in a league that put a tr- put their trust in a lawyer who is really good at negotiations. Baseball's trying to do the same thing. Baseball wants, the owners want salary caps. They want more cost control. That's what they want. Now, it's a much taller task in baseball because this is the strongest players' union of any players' union in professional sports. So it's going to be a tougher thing to accomplish. But that's why Rob Manfred's there, and that's what their goal is going to be. And I think you're going to, you're going to get to a point where they're going to come to some real loggerheads right before you start the 2022 season, at the end of 2021. Like that win- next winter, we're about 16 months away, 17 months away, from the real ugliness in baseball really coming to play. And I think that this is going to be flashed back to, especially by the Players Association, say, remember when they tried to screw us a couple of times last year? Well, let's not let that happen again. That's what the, that's going to be the rallying cry, and that's why I think we're going to have some strife heading into the 2022 season. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I just kind of evaluate this entire situation and say, I've seen a lot of people say, well, you know, the NHL has made significant progress working toward a return. The NBA seems like they're getting closer, and here's baseball, and they just can't get out of their own way. And I say, you know, while there is truth in that, like there is a possibility that baseball – messes this up, even though they have every reason not to mess this up. And I'll get to that in a second, but I think it's an unfair comparison looking at hockey and basketball and comparing that to to the game of baseball. I mean, hockey and and basketball at this point are 80% through the regular season schedules, and actually a little bit more than that. And I mean, a lot of checks have been cashed at this point. So the economic repercussions to both NHL players and NBA players is nowhere near what is going to be faced or, you know, nowhere near what baseball players are going to be faced with. So when I look at this, it's like, it's a completely unfair comparison. And you're also talking about season restarts where you're basically saying, Hey, let's get to the end of the regular season. In the case of hockey, let's just get to the postseason and be done with this. Whereas baseball has to figure out an entire season from game one, all the way through the postseason and into your championship round. So there's just more to figure out here. I think there's more to work through. And I don't know that it's a fair comparison to kind of like shit on baseball, especially under the context of what the NBA is doing and the progress that the NHL has made. Yeah, no, I think that that's, I think that that's right. I think that in the, in the vacuum of looking at, just this season and not looking at anything long term I think you're 100% right I think there is a lot more at stake here for the players and 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 the sport um, because of the fact that they it never started 
Okay, so I think that you're you're right on with that. And I think that that ultimately is going to be the the prevailing reason why we get a season underway uh, a little more than a month from now because of that, because I think that the the, the smart people on both sides will sit there and say, we can't let this happen. So we'll play a game of chicken here this week, the final week in May and into next week. But by June 6th, which is kind of this – arbitrary cutoff date that they say in order to kind of get you know the spring training kind of thing going again and get ready to play games again by the beginning of July so you say the sixth is kind of like that cutoff date that those last two days that's when we won't hear any more posturing from either side you won't you won't see um, you know complaining from players you won't see the owners making any comment things will be quiet and when things are quiet that means the negotiations are really happening and then all of a sudden an announcement will be made. Um, but that doesn't mean that, again, you may, you may forgive, but you, don't always, but you don't forget. And I think that that's what's going to ultimately happen here. So let me wrap this uh, conversation up by, I guess, asking you this. Like, and I'll, I'll start with an admission. I think that we, guys like us, writers, media, whatever you want to call it, I think sometimes we have an, an ability to kind of, hyperbolize things you know where like I might say to you well if baseball doesn't figure this out uh the game's never going to recover you know and I don't think that that's um a radical take like I think a lot of people feel this way that that baseball is kind of slipping in terms of fan interest uh maybe not in terms of dollars made I mean in terms of economics prior to the coronavirus baseball was still quite strong but you know, there's this idea out here that baseball hasn't really fully recovered since the strike of 1994 and that the other sports are starting to kind of lap baseball a little bit in a lot of different ways. And so it brings us to this fork in the road with Major League Baseball and the idea that if they don't get on the field this year or if there's a huge impasse and they aren't able to get on the field in 2022, that like baseball's never going to be able to recover do you buy that, or or do you think that that is just kind of like, you know, revved up rhetoric? Yeah, I I think it's rhetoric. Now I think it I think it can there could be damage. I think there can be impact. Sure, I'm not going to sit here and blindly say no. Baseball is going to be 100 percent fine. You're that's crazy talk. Um, but at the same time, I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be irreparably damaged. I don't think it's going to be to a point where it falls off the face of the earth or it falls off the map here in the United States. It is a it is a multi billion dollar industry. Okay, it is a sport that still gets millions of people that tune in when it plays. The advantage baseball has over every other sport is the fact that it's there every night during its season. And now I know you sit there and say, well, you know, what if the NBA now permanently becomes a Christmas to, to August sport, right? Now there's NBA to compete with, where even if hockey extends from now November into June or July, as opposed to starting in early October, now there's, there's more competition for those nights when it was just baseball. And, and I agree. I think that there are there is a, an ability to take a small hit there, but I don't think that the interest completely goes away. I think people will care. And, and you know, as long as your teams are good, I mean, Bob, you know, you've seen it in this town, right? You've seen what it was like. I mean, in all honesty, let's the NBA is bigger than Major League Baseball, but if the Phillies are good, is the NBA bigger than baseball in this no, town? No, it's not. It's not. Okay, so I mean, that, winning brings brings success in so many other ways. So if you have a competitive team who's got a chance to win, 
the, the people are going to come. The people are going to be interested. And it, it doesn't matter which of the four sports it is. The people are going to care. And that's all there is. That's, that's just all there is to it. So I, could they take a hit? Yeah. I mean, but sports have taken – all sports take hits. The only one that's kind of above the fray is the NFL. It seems like the NFL gets bigger, you know, following their controversies, it right? It does, yeah. Okay, um, but every other, everything else takes a hit. You know, takes a hit at times, and they all seem to recover to a point. And, and I think the baseball will be ultimately will be fine. I mean, I don't want it to go away for a year or you know the rest of this year or even in twenty twenty two. That would suck. But at the same time, I, do I sit here and think that you know in twenty thirty? That nobody's going to care about baseball anymore, and it's a niche sport? No, I don't. So, though we aren't going to talk about what the baseball product will look like for the Phillies uh, today when when things do resume, if they resume, uh, I do want to touch on this a little bit, the broadcast. And I know the last time that we recorded, we spoke a little bit about what uh, a baseball broadcast might look like when things return. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to give up uh, who I spoke with on, on this issue, but yesterday I was able to kind of uh, go back and forth with someone that's familiar uh, with the thinking and, and the input into the broadcast. And uh, there, there's a group of people that are kind of reviewing a lot of different scenarios right now. And just kind of want to get your thoughts on this a little bit. Um so more or less what I was told is is in play, and there is no firm plan yet, but like I said, they're kicking around some different options. Where they're leaning, and from what I've been told, is that they aren't going to pump in huge amounts of artificial crowd noise, uh, but they're not going to be able to go with a completely silent broadcast either. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do with field mics and having the, the crack of the bat, um, they, you know, I thought maybe they would go more like player, p- mic'd up players, more of like a interactive type of approach to the broadcast. But one thing that was brought up to me was that they're probably going to take significant steps to limit the amount of people working on the broadcast crews. And as such, they're going to be a little bit limited in what they're able to do. So it, it's going to be a little bit more neutral. Um, from what I'm told, and it's going to be a little bit more bare bones, whereas you might think like, oh, this is a great opportunity to do all these wacky and wild things and all these innovative things. They they may not have the manpower to do it. Yeah, and and I get that. Um, I I still think that there, I still think it's something that could be in flux. Um, And I think that, you know, your sourced information is probably what the plan is to start, right? But I think that no one really knows what the ultimate you know, what it's going to be like over the course of three months of baseball. Right. Okay. So if in if what you're doing in the beginning in July, the first two weeks just seems unnatural. Doesn't seem people aren't enjoying it. People don't like it. You're gonna find they're gonna find ways to, to, to liven it up. And I think what you can do is I think that, you know, something that you know we've we've kind of briefly talked about this, I think the last time was, you know, you could even go on a slight tape delay. You know, and and if you do that and have some, you know, somebody mic or more field mics, you could have somebody sitting in a booth that's not even down there, right, or at the at the stadium. They could be in another city for, for Pete's sake, um, and and just sitting in a in a booth and, and saying, okay, we can't have that go out on the air. Or we yeah, and that it. was actually you know? one of the concerns, one of the primary concerns that was brought up. If if you go heavy on field mics, they say you would have to be bleeping things every every seven seconds. Like yeah. from what it was told to me, and and. 
I know this. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell this at the high school level, you know. Uh, things get said down on the field. And, you know, the, many of those things uh, can't make it to uh, air for public consumption. So that is one of the biggest concerns. Without having any natural crowd noise, you emphasize the, the sound coming from the field level, much of which is, is not okay. And so then that's going to create a, a little bit of an issue as well. And so that's why you probably are going to get some um, – you know, some artificial noise pumped into the broadcast. Yeah. No, yeah. And then the other thing, the other aspect, and not to, not to cut you off, but the other thing that I thought was kind of interesting from what I was told is that, you know, you may have on any given night uh, the home broadcast, the away broadcast, and then um, a national broadcast, whether it be the MLB Network or ESPN or Fox comes in and does their thing as well uh, in an effort to kind of um, – you know, make things a little bit more efficient. They're talking about how certain home broadcasts may be used and disseminated at more wide range. So, whereas you watch a broadcast right now, uh, it you know, if you watch the Phillies and Tom McCarthy and those guys, it's it's very much catered toward the Phillies and Phillies fans. What was suggested to me is that because this may be more you know widely distributed, that these broadcasts may become much, much more neutral now uh, in the short term, uh, which I thought was interesting. And again, that's not set in stone, but it was one I, of the one of the I guess I would concerns. Rather that. Yeah, wouldn't it, I actually think I that it would be nice? But yes, I would rather that. It was one of the things that was kind of discussed. That you know, and again, no official direction with this, but just the idea that it could be more, uh, you know, it, it could be a little bit more down the middle now. Well, that would be that would be a positive, <laughs> in all honesty. And I don't know I don't know how you would do it. I mean, I don't know how you're going to convince your, you know, hometown broadcasters to not be homers. And it's not just here. I mean, you know, anybody thinks that the Phillies broadcasters or any Philadelphia sports teams broadcasters are homers. They're like that in every city, right? I mean, every, no no city's different. Um, are some more homerish than others? Of course, but they're, they're all in in essence rooting for the home team, and they're going to talk primarily about the home team. Um, I kind of would prefer to get a little bit more of a, a balanced. I, I don't even know that broadcast. it would take a conscious effort to do it. I mean, so much of what the Phillies broadcasts are geared toward is, is you know, Greg Murphy, who I like, by the way. This is no no dig at him or anything, but it's Greg Murphy out in right field, you know, uh, sitting next to a kid who's eating ice cream out of a upside down Phillies helmet, you know, and like it's the fanatic and the superstars and the you know all the different promotions within the ballpark. Like they're not going to have access to that this year. Like they they can't do that it's not a it's not an option so once you take out all the uh you know bulls barbecue in in broadcast promos and the fanatic stuff and you know all that i think that it, it kind of will even just organically make the, the the broadcast a little bit more neutral you know the phillies you can say this is a bad thing or a good thing it depends on your perspective the Phillies broadcasts are, are very much about promoting the Phillies brand, and they're not going to be able to do that without people in the stadium. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. And, and I'll tell you what concerns me is I, you know, I, I think that the Phillies broadcast as it is is a little too chatty. I, I think it's a little much. I, I, I'm not killing them. I mean, they're not, you know, they're not the worst broadcasters ever. But I, I kind of. And maybe this is because I'm old, right? Maybe I, I kind of remember the days when 
when uh, you know, not to say everybody has to be Harry and Whitey, but there were times where they just sixty-five let, seconds of dead air. You could they, hear, you, you could hear yeah. the lighter, you could hear the lighter flicking in the background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you could let so it, it kind of let the the natural sound kind of be a thing. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be that long. Okay, yeah. it doesn't need to be a full you know minute of not saying anything. But at the same time, I do think that now there's there's a real oh my god, we can't have dead air at all. And I think that baseball is the one sport that allows for dead air to be a, a, an okay thing, even if it's for a short time. So it's going to be interesting to see if they feel like they have to fill that dead air with nonsensical conversation, or do they just let it be there and let the game breathe for the audience? And that, to me, is what I'm going to be curious to see. I think if they let it breathe, I think it will be better. I really do. Yeah, and I think that so much of this just goes – you know, it plays off the idea of – what is baseball going to look like when it comes back versus what it'll look like a month later versus what it'll look like in October? You know, yeah. like it just comes down to, are they going to let people in? How will things evolve in terms of health and safety restrictions? And and there's just so much to look at, but the sense I get at least at the start is that you're not going to get this broadcast filled with tons of crazy innovation and pulling out all the stops and, and making it this like ultra-interactive, fan-friendly, all-access type of broadcast. Like If you're expecting that, uh, I, I wouldn't, and, you know, and for good reason. I think that, that they are justified in, in that line of thinking, to be honest with you. Um, that's all I, that's all I personally have. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to hit on, but I know that we just wanted to make an effort to make sure that we got a show out. We wanted to keep it around a half hour. Um, you know, as things move forward, as we get a firm plan in place, obviously we'll revert back to the Phillies and kind of talk about them more specifically because there are things now, it's been two months since we've really focused on the roster and and the different position battles. What will a 30 man active roster mean for the Phillies? Uh, who could that benefit? How do they they kind of stack up in the division? And, like, I look forward to getting back to where we can just simply talk about baseball and not labor negotiations and, and all of this hypothetical stuff. But that's still where we're at, you know. I, I wish that we were a little bit further along in this process. But, um, you know, hopefully now in the next five to ten days we start to get something that's a little bit more clear here. Yeah, I you know, and the, the thing that I'm more interested in, not that it's it's a real talking point at, at this point, stage but the thing that I'm really going to be curious about and and how it affects the Phillies too I mean every team but specifically the Phillies is you know what's what to make of your system what's going to happen with these younger players or with not even just younger players but guys like you thought you know could be helpful during the season I mean yes there's going to be expanded rosters to probably to 30 and that's that's a number we you know it keeps getting thrown out there which is great and that's fine that's four more players than you thought was going to be on the roster to begin the season but you know darn well that they're going to need to use more than 30 players so where the hell are these other guys playing baseball (laughs) You know, what yeah. are they doing? The taxi like to, squad, yeah. The I mean, that's what taxi yeah, squad. It's, you know, inter, inter squad games at AAA, at the AAA level, AA level, even, you know, and how are guys going to develop? Do guys that you thought were going to be, you know, that you had on track to be ready in, in, in you know, two years or whatever? Um, I, I, who knows? Yeah, you know? and you know what else? Uh, actually, a couple things now that we're, now that we're wrapping the show up. Uh, I did see last night, came across uh, the timeline on Twitter. The Oakland A's are not going to pay their minor leaguers after this month, um, which I believe uh, Jeff Passan did an estimate of what that actually meant. And it's going to save the A's organization like roughly a million dollars 
which is which is brutal, honestly. Uh, there was a report out there that the Phillies are going to uh, at least pay their minor leaguers through the month of June. Uh, so, you know, they kind of are, are going month to month here, but it looks like the Phillies and some other organizations are, are going to do the right thing and kind of continue to pay their guys, uh, at least at a reduced rate. But the A's apparently are moving uh, to, to kind of cut off pay to, to uh, their minor leaguers, which, which I – I think it's a terrible move, but it is. Uh, that just shame. you talk about optics. Like I don't think in this situation, like between the players' association and Major League Baseball owners, you know, it's it's like the old billionaires versus millionaires thing, and like you side with one of them. And and I gotta say, like this is a complicated situation. Like owners are losing a ton of money now. Nobody wants to hear that because they're billionaires, but. Like I, I at least understand that I, I I get that that they're hemorrhaging money on that front, but to to go after your minor leaguers like that and the savings are just, they're, it's like negligible savings. Like what for for what? And the optics of it are just it's inexcusable in my opinion. So, you know, at least to see the Phillies and some of these other teams are going to go the a different direction with it, I, I think is a positive. The other thing that we can talk about. We won't do it today, but moving forward, uh, we do have a, a condensed Major League Baseball draft approaching. Um, and I, I don't want to like – it's not the NFL draft. It's not the NBA draft. But there are some interesting names, and I think as we draw closer here, we're going to have four or five different names that are going to be more tightly linked with the Phillies, and I think that that's something that we can touch on as well. Yep, and uh, by the way, just to wrap it up here, we have breaking news. Um, not that this is uh – yeah, something that was unexpected. But uh, officially, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf announced today, and we're recording on the 27th uh, of May, that pro sports teams can once again start competing and training in the state of Pennsylvania. Well, there you go. And, and that kind of uh, meshes with what Jim Salisbury, who uh, I think it was last week, the end of last week, reported that the Phillies would do their their new or second spring training uh, at Citizens Bank Park. So uh, now that will be permissible. So that's yep. good news. Yeah. So I don't know how you're going to cover it, Bob, but. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you saw what NASCAR is doing. NASCAR only allows three reporters in. It's a it's a pool and you have yeah. to be, a, you know, you have to win the pool to go in. So you have like prominent NASCAR reporters that aren't even allowed in the venues. They have to stay outside. Uh, yeah. I certainly hope that's not the case, but at this point, nothing would surprise me. So. Well, you know what they should do is they should do it like a, not a lottery, but do it as a rotation, right? Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, send all right, you three guys go today, go this day, and that way you know which day you got to go down there. Yeah, yes. maybe. I mean, maybe they do it that way. I would think that NASCAR is a little bit different. Like, I, I guess, like, uh, you don't just necessarily space yourself out in a, in a NASCAR venue, but we had talked about it last time. I still think that the place is big enough that you could let pretty much the same amount of media in that you always have um but I, I don't know man we'll we'll see how we'll see how that goes i guess yeah they may go to a pool format we'll we'll see yeah should be interesting should be interesting well bob this was uh this was good good to catch up and uh, get, keep things moving along here and uh, hopefully uh, soon we'll have some second spring training to talk about yes sir all right um I guess let's uh, kind of go through the uh, promo stuff real quick i think when you think about crossing Broad, and you think about Crossing Broad's podcast, it all comes back to one podcast right now. Not this one either. It's Snow the Goalie, Anthony. You guys are just 
What did I see today? Number 175 sports it, podcast in America? Is that in right? The, no, no, no. In the world? In, in the world. <laughs> oh, man. In the world. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, you know, I appreciated you taking some time out of your busy schedule talking to every prominent flyer over the last 45 <laughs> years to talk a little baseball with me today, you know? Yeah, so. yeah no, we got up to, we, we made it to number five among hockey podcasts in the U.S. Uh, a week and a half ago. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, when we say that, that doesn't mean that that's, you know, every um, every episode. I mean, that that was for that particular episode. The way um, Chartable does it is based on your daily reach uh, on a given day. So normally we normally we hover in that, you know, 25 to 30 range. It's kind of where we, you know, we've kind of settled in, which is nice. And you know, hopefully we get a little bit higher. But uh, because we've been so consistent in that and got up as high as number five, now we're charting in five, four countries and uh, and around the world, so which is pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, we will be back uh, when we have a little bit of a more clarity here uh, with what the 2020 season will or will not look like. Uh, so when that happens, we will certainly be back to talk about that and break everything down. Uh, thank you once again for listening. This is Crossed Up. Uh, for Anthony Sanfilippo, I am Bob Wankel. We'll talk to you guys soon.